0: good morning thank you so much for that welcome As Pastor Jeff said, I'm friends with your lead pastor, Aaron Cole. We've been friends for a number of years. I'm going to show you a nice trick that I know, how rumors start. I cannot confirm nor deny whether he cheats on his golf score, okay? And we'll just see how when that gets to him, it comes back to me as I I didn't say he cheated. I said I can neither confirm nor deny, those of you who may be guests today, maybe you are new to Life Church and you were coming hoping to hear the campus pastor. Let me say that Pastor Aaron has shared with me numerous times what an effective communicator Pastor Jeff is. So I would encourage you to come back and hear him in the following weeks. I know that you will be blessed that you did. Let me say a few things about myself. I have been married. I know I look 32 years old, but I've been married 32 years. Give it up for my wife, Kristen Taylor. She is my better half. We have one daughter and one son. Actually, our daughter married our son. Now, that sounds a little creepy, right? But he wasn't my son before they got married. Uh, so he's technically a son-in-law, but I never had sons before. We just had the one daughter, and I didn't know how much heavy stuff they will carry for you. So it's amazing. They live in De Pere. And she's serving at our home church right now this morning, and and he's at work. Well, I want to ask you a question today. I I want to see if you will be honest with me. How many of you would say as we get started, how many of you would admit that you have a little bit of a control problem? Any, anybody want to admit that you have a little bit of a, raise them up high, wow, we, this is an honest church, right? A lot of people have a control problem. How many of you would admit that your husband or wife or significant other has a control problem, a real bad control problem? Some of you are asking for permission right now if you can raise your hand. No, we have a control problem in our lives. Most of us do. Most of us have a control problem in our lives, and what our problem is is that we want everything in our life to turn out for our comfort. I mean, we are so motivated by what's comfortable in our lives. But guess what? Jesus did not come so that we could be comfortable. He came so that we could be conformed into the image of Christ. He came for something different. And yet we fight this battle of of wanting to be comfortable all of the time. And so we try and control things in our lives. And, And what I've learned is that there are very, very few things in my life that I can control. And one of the things that I can control in my life is my attitude. Maybe you've heard the story about the guy he wanted to relocate from one city to another and and he didn't have anybody else in his life and hadn't been in this city very long so he threw most of his belongings in the back of this vehicle and he headed down the road and he wasn't sure where he was going to to end up he he drove past several cities and and got to one eventually and he happened to come to the to the city limit sign and there was a guy there with his bike and he had stopped for arrest and he thought I wonder if this is a good city I wonder if it's a good place to live so he pulls over and he talks to this guy and he says hey could you tell me if this is a good city I mean I'm looking for a new place to live could you tell me if this is a worthwhile place to live what are the people like the gentleman's response is this could you tell me what the people are like where you're from Could you tell me what the people were like and the community was like that you just left? And he said, oh, it was terrible. People were mean. They were inconsiderate. It was clicky. They gossiped. It was just a miserable place. Nobody was very friendly. And so the guy says to to the gentleman who was wanting to relocate, he said, I recommend you keep on driving because you're going to find that this community is very similar to the community that you just left. And so the guy says, thank you so much. I mean, you really saved me from going to another bad city. But the reality is he didn't save him from going to another bad city because what he had experienced in the community previously was really a representation of what was in his own heart and in his own life. You see, his attitude was bad consistently, And so he found the experience of living in that community to be bad all the way around. You see, we'll always have difficult circumstances. Excuse me. Uh, I'm 15, apparently, and my voice is cracking. So uh, we, we will always have difficult experiences in our lives. We can't control all of that. It does not matter where you live. The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. So you will always have difficult circumstances, but it's what you do with those circumstances and how your attitude or how you do not let them affect your attitude that makes the difference. Our attitude is a huge key. It's something that we can control, whether we will live in perpetual defeat and misery or whether we will live in the victory that God has called us to in our lives. God desires for his children to live in victory. I want you to keep this in mind if you would. Your attitude is one of the only things in your life that you are ridiculously in control of. Your attitude is one of the only things in your life that you are ridiculously in control of. All the other circumstances, so many of them, are dictated to you by someone else or something else. But your attitude is something that you possess that no one but you and God can change. So I want to talk to you for a little bit this morning about gaining control of your attitude. If you're going to be a control freak, then learn how to control your attitude. Now I've met some people who have gone through some of life's most difficult experiences. Why does it seem that a lot of people who have difficulty, it seems like it's one after another after another, It just seems like if something bad is going to happen, it's going to happen to that person or that family. And I've seen some of those people go through life with such joy, such dignity, such satisfaction. It just, I marvel at it. it. It kind of blows you away. And so you can feel free, hey, how's it going? And, and you know the circumstances of their lives are challenging. And yet when you ask them how it's going, oh, God's blessing me. He's helping me here. He's working me through this process. And, and then you talk to the person who seemingly has, in comparison, a hangnail. And you're scared to death to ask them how they're doing because you know it's going to be like, oh, my word, this hangnail's driving me nuts. They, they, they just don't have the same attitude about life, the same spirit about their lives. And it's in attitude that we find a lot of these things play out. There's a vibe that we give. There's a vibe that, that we give to other people and they can feel. It's your attitude. Have you ever noticed that sometimes you just get out of bed with a bad attitude? If, that, if, you, if you would be honest enough to say that you get out of bed with a bad attitude, raise your hand. I mean, nothing has to happen, right? And you are mad already. You're both getting ready for work. And, and your wife says, uh, you know, what time are you home tonight? You're going back and forth on schedules. And she says, you're going to beat me home, so would you load the dishwasher? All right, I'll load the dishwasher. You know, you're loading the dishwasher, or this figurative person is loading the dishwasher, this hypothetical person. And he happens to be saying to himself, where did we get these stinking dishes anyway?" You know, I never like these, and two of them get broken while you're doing the dishes, right? Because your attitude is ornery, and you're putting them in there in ways they never should go. And you say, "I'm gonna get that in there, right?" You just got out of bed mad. She comes home, she says, "Hey, uh, thanks for doing the dishes. What happened to these two glasses?" I was loading the dishwasher just like you said. What do you, you know? Get off my back. You're like, get off my back or you'll be next. You know, it's not just the dishes around here that's going to get it. It just, it jumps on us sometimes and we don't even realize it. We don't even realize the vibe that we're giving. Marriages have crumbled over time as a result of bad attitudes Business ventures that should have been successful have failed because of bad attitudes. Churches have been rendered ineffective or been diminished as a result of bad attitudes. And here's the thing. A bad attitude can destroy a life without a person ever knowing it. We have a friend of our family. She was upset with her caregiver. And so she started to poison the man in the house, by putting pine salt in his coffee every day. He continued to get terribly sick, more and more sick, and the doctors couldn't figure out what was wrong with him until somehow she was caught putting pine salt in his coffee every day. They had no idea what it was. Do you know people with a persistently bad attitude are like that guy who's drinking his coffee every day with pine saw in it? He has no idea what's causing the destruction. They're like, what's wrong with my life? Why doesn't anything ever go right? And they don't even see that there's a silent destroyer in their life day after day after day, and it's a bad attitude. And so they live confused without ever coming to that point of understanding. And I want to repeat, your attitude is one of the only things in life that you are ridiculously in charge of. Take hold of it with you and God and determine that it's going to be what God designed for it to be in the life of a believer. So I ask as we move on, what negative attitude may be serving as a silent killer or a poison in your life. See, I think it's a great day for celebration in our lives when we admit to ourselves that we have the potential to control our attitudes. That we quit saying, you make me so mad, you make me so upset, You know, the kids did this, the dog did that. The truth is, none of those things made your bad attitude what it is. They only revealed that you have a bad attitude on that day. And we want to blame how we feel and our attitude on those particular things. So we want to change it. We want to be transformed And have a good attitude. Leave those negative ones behind. The question is how do we do that? One of my favorite verses Romans 12.2 says don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person. Get this. By changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you which is good and, and pleasing and perfect. Change the way you think. If you want to change your attitude, change the way you think. The Bible says, the way a man thinks, so will he be. If you want to live differently, if you want your attitude to be different, change the way you think. And we're not just talking about pie in the sky, happy thoughts, you know, just just think positively and everything will be great. Paul's not talking about that, but he is talking about a very, important reality that we have come into this world and we're crushed by this sinfulness that we carry and it affects everything in our lives including our attitudes and God says I sent Jesus to transform you so that you could be different and part of it is I'm going to give you a new heart which will be represented by your attitude there's, there's nothing that's more confusing to me than a believer with a perpetually bad attitude. If somebody at work thinks, boy, well, you don't want to talk to him, he's always grumpy. Guess what? You don't get what living for Jesus is all about. There, there are just some things in our lives that, that God wants to transform. and our, It begins in our thought life. And then 2 Corinthians 10.5 gives us several insights to how we can discipline our attitudes as well. So it starts in our thought life. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says this, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Wouldn't you say that on days when you struggle with your attitude, a lot of it sets itself up against the knowledge of God? I mean, you know some things, but you just don't want to live it that way or that day. You just don't want to rise above it. So he goes on to say, and, the, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So Paul says in Romans that God wants to transform you by changing the way you think. And he says in Corinthians that to change the way you think, you have to take captive your thought life. So many people, the average person that I lead to Christ, they come into this thing and they think to themselves that whatever is in their mind is private and they can let their mind wander wherever they want it to wander. But guess what? That's just not true. You have to learn to capture your thoughts. A lot of people say, oh, I'm going to pray about it and God will take that thought out of my mind. You know what? Maybe supernaturally once in a while God will do that because he knows where you are and he knows what you need. But nine times out of ten, you know what he's going to speak to your spirit because we know God speaks through the Bible. He's going to say, hey, I want you to go read 2 Corinthians 10.5. And I already taught you how to do that. Take captive your thoughts. You've got a place in this. You've got a part in this process, and you're going to have to do it. And, and when you think of taking something captive, okay, there's a battle. There's a fight in that, right? You look at somebody, and, and I'm like 4'9", and I saw some guys here, like six, one muscles, right? And if I had to take them captive, that I better bring my lunch. It's going to be quite a day, Right? Guess what? That's kind, of how, that's kind of how this concept is. We have to be involved, and we have to be willing to bring our lunch and say, that attitude, that thought process will not get me today. It seems insurmountable, but it is not, and I am going to get through this thing and do my part. God will do the super if we will do the natural. God will do the super if we will do the natural. So you have got to be, and I have to be willing to do our part, which is to take captive these thoughts. When you allow your mind, your attitudes to dwell on these negative things, you will at best be unproductive and more often than not unchristlike. Because the more you think about something, the more of your life it takes what you think about you do and what you do you become what you think about you do and what you do you become now theor- theologically maybe we can have habits and we are still children of god and and we are forgiven But at some point in our lives, what we think about, we do. What we do, we become. If you allow these thoughts to roll around in your mind long enough, eventually you will begin to live them out. Too often we try to validate our bad thoughts and our bad feelings rather than imprisoning them. Sometimes we do it to avoid responsibility for our bad attitudes. So the first step to a healthy attitude is a solid Christ-like foundation in our thoughts. As I said, Jesus said, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. You could say if you want right attitudes, you have to think right thoughts. Second thing is this. Begin to focus those thoughts. So understand that God wants to transform you by renewing your mind. So once you understand that, begin to capture your thoughts. When things come into your mind, you are correct. You're not responsible for what comes into your mind. You are responsible for how quickly you capture that and not allow it to affect your life. And you move on to focusing your thoughts. It's not good enough to capture your thoughts and keep them from wandering. From there, you have to focus them. Verse 5 again says, make every thought obedient to Christ. You see, these help self-help people who just want you to think happy thoughts and have a good attitude and everything's going to be okay, they would say, focus your thoughts and it leads back to you. Paul says, focus your thoughts and it leads you to Jesus. It leads you to the mind of Christ. It leads you to a renewed mind. So these things come into your heart, into your mind during the day. These attitudes that come in. So you recognize them as contrary to what God would have. You wrestle that thing. You do your part. And then you say, no, we're not going that direction. We're going to go to the mind of Christ. And it will begin to renew you. There's no renewing in simply stopping the bad thought, but you redirect it to the thought of Christ. You start saying, okay, I gotta get this thing under control, but now what direction am I gonna go? It's kind of in my mind like a football player, a halfback or a half-pint in my case. So, you know, when you run by the quarterback, you get he hands you the ball, right? And the first thing you have to do is, in essence, take captive the ball. Okay, you got to secure the ball. That's taking captive your thoughts. The next thing you've got to do is look up and see what direction you're going to go. You've got to focus your thoughts, your mind, and you got to move in a direction. And it's very similar. Taking captive your thoughts is like receiving the ball. And then focusing your thoughts is like your first football move, which we could have a whole week on how they interpret a football move, but this is not about football. Anyway, moving on. Philippians 2 and verse 5, Paul says, your attitude, this is what you're you're creating your attitude to be, should be the same as that of Christ. So all these thoughts that I'm funneling in, all these things that I'm getting control of, Making the mind of Christ, it should mean that it changes my attitudes into a representation of Christ. Are you kidding me? Did you get up this morning and feel like, man, my attitude is just that of Jesus? I just, I'm so happy that alarm went off this morning, 6 o'clock on a Sunday morning. You know, I work six days this week. I mean, we get caught in some, some bad moments, right? But our attitude should be that of Jesus. I'm so weak in this. I try so hard at it. I go through this process, but sometimes it just gets me. Does it get you Sometimes. The good thing is we get to say, God, forgive me, I recognize it, and start again. Now, I want you to do something with me. I'm warm. Are you warm this morning? I'm seeing several of you fan. I want you to stand up with me if you would, okay? Just stand up with me before we move on. This may be crazy for you guys, but I'm only here one day so I can do it. Okay, turn turn to that direction, my right, would you? Now, this is really creepy, I know, especially if you don't know the person in front of you. Put your hands on their shoulders, rub their shoulders. I'm getting some nodding heads, and I got to be honest, I don't think it's because I'm bad this morning, okay? I think it's a little warm in here because the preaching is good, I'm telling you that. Turn the other direction. Let's do it the other way. Loosen up a little bit. We're almost done. Sit back down. It's an incredible challenge to capture every thought and make it obedient to Christ. But it's our call as we follow him. So here are two powerful questions for you. How comfortable do you think Jesus feels in your thought life? And what negative attitudes have been created by allowing those un like thoughts and patterns to go unchecked? And the final one is to live your thoughts. Romans 12, 2 again says, God will transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And then you will learn to know what God's will is for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So as you go through this process, you are going to begin to be able to live this out. It's represented the best for me in having to grant forgiveness. At first, you don't really want to. You don't really want to grant forgiveness. Your attitude's bad. You've been hurt. You start to capture that. and You start to say, God, I, I need to grant forgiveness. I know I do. So let me focus my thoughts. What would Jesus have me do? Lord, I, I'm going to grant forgiveness. I'm going to go this new direction. I'm going to be a representative of Christ. And, and you settle that. And five minutes later, it comes back. <laughs> and you go through the same process again. With some of the most significant woundings or damage in my life at times, I've had to go through that a hundred times in a day. But if you commit to it, it transforms you. If you commit to that process, it transforms you, and that's living your thoughts. That's when eventually you don't even have to think about it anymore. It just happens most of the time. It does take some personal discipline. It requires us to face some of the hurtful, tragic, and trying events in our lives. Some of us are still trying to make excuses for why our attitude is not what God wants it to be. And we don't understand that the silent killer has been just raging in our lives. What's interesting is a lot of times other people can see it, but we don't see it ourselves. And the beautiful thing is that there's a promise of a renewed life as we surrender our thinking to God and let it change our attitudes. Now, I can't promise you that the circumstances of your life will immediately change. But I can promise you that your outlook on those circumstances will change. I can promise you that the effect those circumstances have on your life will change. I can promise you that in the midst of that circumstance, you can live in joy and peace and health and goodness. Even though tomorrow you will face the same exact situation. But the most powerful force that you possess, that you have the potential to change, has now been surrendered to the mind and the attitude of Christ, and you can be renewed. Have you ever wondered why do we live in bondages that we live in in our lives when we don't have to? It's already been done. It's already been completed. We just have to learn how to walk in this stuff. It's really a great thing. I mean, it's so freeing. I want you to close your eyes just for a moment. Most of you have never met me before. Maybe you'll never see me again in your life. But the spirit that's at work in your heart knows you and has known you. And he's speaking to your life right now and I'm going to pray in just a moment. And I want to have your your face in my mind as I pray. And you say, Dan, I'm really struggling with an attitude towards something. Maybe it's not whole scale. Maybe it's... Just a situation at work. Maybe it's something with a child. Something in your marriage. Whatever it is, you, you, you're just struggling with an attitude. And I want to pray for people in general today. And you say, Pastor Dan, as you pray, just be thinking of me. Would you just raise your hand? I want to know who I'm praying for this morning. If that's one or ten or twenty, that's fine. Thank you. Yes. Father, I pray for this area of our lives, first of all, for all of us. Because it's one of the quickest identifiers of people who follow you. People who follow you should have a joyful attitude. The closer we stand to you, the more we should have the attitude of Christ. But yet, we're human and we get caught in these ruts, the way we think, the way we allow that to cause us to act and feel. I pray for people today, God, who are genuinely struggling with an attitude in their life, and it's it's causing some harm and some damage. I pray that you'd bring some freedom there today, God. I pray that they would capture their thoughts, focus them, God, on you. And then learn to live that as they move forward. And let them, let them be willing to go through that process over and over again until transformation really takes place. We love you. Thank you for the privilege of, of being your kids, of serving you. We love you, God. You've done so much for us. Thank you for this church. I pray your blessing on Life Church Appleton. We just pray, God, great things ahead for their future in Jesus' name.